Alright, welcome to uh, episode 6 of the Piazza Parlor podcast, uh, in case you forgot because we've been gone forever. <laughs> I'm Xavier Alatori. And I'm Aron Delgado. And yeah, after, uh, God, how long has it been? Since October? Yeah, since October. So November, December, January, three month uh, hiatus. We've uh, we got the band back together. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play some old tunes, maybe some new ones. Um, yeah, uh, we stopped recording after, uh, what was it, Juan Uribe, uh, oh, best game I've ever, ever yeah, seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched that clip time and time again and it just never gets old. Um, but yeah, we stopped recording and I don't know, it just didn't seem right to record after, uh, the equivalent of the Red Wedding in baseball. <laughs> Man, talk about uh, your highs and lows. Yeah. Playoff, the playoffs were some of the best times and quite possibly the worst day of my life. It, it really was. Um, so we're not going to mention any more of that other than uh, St. Louis. I think, I think you all know what happened. Yeah. And it was nice that St. Louis got their comeuppance. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Um So the format of the podcast, uh, since it's been so long, we'll just do a little refresher. We... uh we uh, do the episode as follows. We have a intro right here. Hi, we're in the intro. Uh, we have the appetizers. Appetizers. Uh, followed by the main dish. And then it's uh, desserts. And desserts Ooh, usually tasty. is a commentary, a rant, anything that uh, might have pissed me off in the baseball world <laughs> for that week or over the last three months. I think there's quite a lot that have gone on in the last few months. It's a lot of opportunity for rent in... Uh, a lot has gone on in baseball, but over the last three months, not a lot has gone on with the Dodgers. Um, this is true. And and I, it, some, I could see some fans uh, seeing that as a, a bad thing. But quite honestly, I think it's probably the best thing that could happen during the offseason for the Dodgers. Um, but anyways, let's just jump straight into uh, the appetizers. All right, let's do it. Uh, the biggest news... Today uh, has been the uh, the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame inductees. Uh, pardon me for the stumbling in my speech, but this episode is brought to you by a finished bottle of Maker's Mark, and also the second bottle we will drink after. Ah, yes, <laughs> <laughs> to Maker's Mark. Oh yeah, by the way, I should say this is the first Piazza Parlor episode where we're both in the same room together. That's right. Uh, dare I say this is a live recording? This is as live as you'll you guys are ever gonna get it. So, so enjoy it. Enjoy it, Danny and <laughs> <laughs> Emilio. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, back to the Hall of Fame inductees. Mm-hmm. Um, the former players that were inducted today um, have been Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and Frank Thomas. I think those are the order of their votes as well. Yeah. Second and third. And, you know, I... Can't say that's a, a bad uh, bad list of players to be in there. Yeah, um, agree 100% with those choices. Greg Maddox is arguably one of the best pitchers. Actually, not arguably one. He is one of the best pitchers of all time. Arguably the best pitcher of all time. We will disagree because I personally think Sandy Koufax is uh, the best pitcher. Followed mm-hmm. by maybe Oral Hershiser. Followed by Randy Johnson. Interesting list you got there. Randy Johnson has been my favorite. When I played uh, baseball my SNES. Um, <laughs> was it King Griffey's uh... it might have been yeah. <laughs> it might have been and I always played the Mariners mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
as the Mariners. And uh, yeah, always putting Randy Johnson, the big, big unit. unit. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't say that that that's a, a bad list of players. No, Tom, no. Tom Glavin, you know, is definitely a great pitcher. Um, I wouldn't put too many stocks in 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 wins, but or too much stock in wins. But you know, when it comes down to great pitching, um, a pitcher does have some control over the outcome of a game. Some, um, as is the case with Kershaw. You know, I think you know, like when Kershaw goes up to pitch, um, you know, it's not often that you'll see a team score too many runs against him. So the the outcome of the game is definitely determined by Kershaw's pitching to some extent. And the same can be said for Tom Glavin. Um, and Frank Thomas, the big hurt. I, God, talk about one of the most feared hitters in all of baseball. And, you know, doing it the right way, as he would put it in his own words. Yeah. And other baseball writers would also say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that, that's definitely a good list. Um, those that didn't make the cut, uh, Craig Biggio, who missed it by two votes brutal yeah brutal two, two votes would have gotten in, gotten him into the hall of fame and hopefully that's the uh, impetus that puts him in next season or next year um but man what a shame uh and number five on the list yeah mike piazza um <sighs> second year he snubbed you know there's a lot of controversy about uh can gernick gernick um the biggest controversy was that he didn't vote for Greg Maddox, which fine, whatever. It's his ballot. He doesn't have to. Um, but I think people missed the bigger controversy of Mike Piazza getting snubbed two years in a row. Yeah. How, 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 honestly, like really like what is your problem? People best hitting catcher of all of baseball. What more do you need? Nope. Don't need any more. You don't need any more. So hopefully, uh, next year we'll see, uh, Biggio get the honor that he deserves and hopefully we also see Piazza get the honor that he deserves. Yeah, as well as the newcomers that are gonna be joining the Hall of Fame ballot. I think I think Randy Johnson's one of them. Yeah, I think so. So uh it's again gonna be a crowded uh crowded ballot, so we'll we'll save um the problems with the voting process for later, but uh yeah, just in case you didn't already know, that's who's in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. Um I guess also fitting for the appetizers, uh, since we've been gone so long, I guess we could say what we've been up to during during, during the last three oh, months. You just want to brag, don't you? I don't want to brag about anything. Yeah, you do. Um, Rome, why don't you start? Okay, I'll start by saying that um, Xavier got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been up to this uh, past three months. So uh, congratulations, Xavier. Thank you. Um, yeah. So yes. that's this, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is the last Piazza's Parlor podcast. <laughs> yeah, before uh, the old ball and chain yeah. ties me up. But, no, yeah, I guess since you're going to throw the ball back in my court. I did. Um, Wait, is that a baseball reference? or Since you're going to pass the ball back to the pitcher. Yeah. Eh, since we're going to change sides here. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Sure. The lineup's going to turn over? Yeah, yeah. How about that? Okay, since the lineup turned over. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm recently engaged. Uh, my girlfriend and I of almost a year and a half now um, are going to be getting married in August. So Yay. this yeah. is where we're going to put in the applause sound right here. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, it still hasn't sunk in yet. Um, 
it's only been a little over a week, but um, it, it's, it's definitely nice. Uh, not as uh, scary as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Um, no, but it, it's, I think, as a, a young guy, a young man or a man, however I view myself, depending on the day, what kind of situation I'm in, um, it's nice to be able to have that stability, that kind of grounding. And I look forward to many, many years with my lovely fiance when she becomes my wife. Awesome. So that's what I've been up to. Arome, what have you been up to? Thanks for making the rest of us dudes look bad, jerk. <laughs> just kidding. Um, nothing much, man. Just just uh, enjoying this three-week vacation I've been on. It's been awesome. I've been, uh, you know, doing the music and playing a lot of MLB The Show, which, by the way, I'm in the World Series now, you guys, the Dodgers. The Dodgers are in the World Series. Do- oh, Dodgers versus Angels. I saw that, the Freeway Series. Freeway that will never happen. That... I wish I wish would happen. I wish awesome. so too. Yeah, that that I mean maybe this is like a concept we can save for a later episode. But I was thinking about you could literally go to all the World Series games if you wanted to. Yeah, no, really, you could. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, it it would be much like the Subway Series that took place. Yeah. Uh, a number of years ago. Two thousand uh, four. No, two thousand yeah, something no, like two thousand four because that was the Red Sox. Mm. I think. I mean, like two thousand two thousand three then. Yeah. When the Mets and the Yankees played against each other. And guess who was on the Mets that year? Piazza. Oh, oh that guy. Yeah. Oh, that was the Roger Clemens, Mike Piazza bat incident. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I I, uh, I would love to see a freeway series. Yeah. And, you know, it would be even sweeter if the Angels were still named the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. <laughs> to, and the Dodgers just swept the floor with the angels i mean no offense to our angel friends no no i mean and don't get me wrong like i don't have anything against the angels i just have a lot against their name yeah <laughs> that's really the only thing i have a problem with there's a lot of people a lot of dodgers fans that despise the angels for some reason and for me to really hate a team i feel like there needs to be some sort of history between the team i feel like there needs to be some sort of um you know uh rival rivalry built up and i'm not just talking about like jumping in your pool as a rivalry that's not a rivalry <laughs> yeah rivalry is like meeting in the world series multiple times and getting you know losing to them or you know you know well, good matchups and things like that like you know with the yankees or the giants yeah exactly to me, think, that makes sense and i think that's the thing you know with the dodgers and the yankees that they've met in the world series and not to mention that they were i mean those teams that were came from new york right all those three teams you Yankees, know, Giants, and Dodgers all came from the same place. Yeah, and and I think especially when when the Dodgers had their first World Series win against the Yankees, mm-hmm. it makes it that much sweeter. Um, you know, there's that his history between between Absolutely. those two teams. Yeah. There really is no history between the Dodgers and the Angels. All there is are the preseason games that they play, and then you know, ever since interleague play started, they have the freeway series. But those games mean nothing. There's no reason for me to hate the Angels right now. That's why I don't. And that's why sometimes people like look at me weary when I say, oh, I, I don't mind the Angels. I, I mean, and they should be a good team. With, yeah. <laughs> with the roster yeah. they have. And I mean, how can you hate Mike Trout, honestly? like I Yeah, Mike Trout Mike and, and Mark Trumbo when he was on the Angels. When he, when he was on the Angels, man. And uh, it's too bad that he's going to be on the Diamondbacks because I'm going to have to start disliking him now, I feel like. 
Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. And by extension, disliking Riley Breckenridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I really wish I didn't have. I really wish he could have gone to any team but the Diamondbacks. But man, just I just I don't hate the Diamondbacks, but I'm really starting to dislike the way they run their team and and everything. Yeah. And and so for him to have to go to that team is a real bummer. And not to mention he's going to probably kill our left-handed pitching. The the biggest bummer for me about the Diamondbacks too is the fact that I have to dislike Kirk Gibson. Oh yeah, yeah, that too, man. He's he's like, I mean that that I mean, Kirk Gibson is is etched in Dodger lore mm-hmm. for for eternity, baseball lore for eternity. Absolutely. And you know, as a Dodger fan, having to look at Gibby, it's it's disheartening. Yeah, that there's no other way to describe it. It's really disheartening. I mean, every time I I see that clip, every time I I hear it. Chills, man. Yeah, chills. it it really does give me chills. You know, it 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 takes me back to uh uh you know many walk off home runs that the Dodgers have had over the years. You know, Juan Uribe's home run. I mean, really, that's the equivalent. Yeah, it, I mean, Juan Uribe's eighth inning two run home run against the Braves in the National League Division Series is our generation's Kirk Gibson moment. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, I mean. Seems like an overstatement now, but it really was such a huge home run. Huge. Weren't you at that game? No. No, no, that's game. right. I, I was at work. I was at the game the day before. I was watching it at home, and I literally jumped out of my chair. For not only because of the consequence of the home run, but because it was Juan Uribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude. Oh, I my mean, God. His, 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 really, his character arc. <laughs> Seriously. It is <laughs> it's completely... And I mean, I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure only. I, f- I feel like only really Dodger fans can appreciate the person that Juan Uribe is. Um, but he's literally come from the bottom of the, like, the bottom of the barrel, like literally one of the worst players in Dodger history, to one of the most loved players in Dodger history. And again, obviously, he's going to be remembered now forever as a Dodger. Yeah. Because of that home run. Yeah, exactly. And it's insane. It's insane to think about. And. God damn it! I love Juan Uribe. I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, not to to drag us on any further, but um, you know, it, it's it's one of those moments in in baseball history and in playoff baseball playoff history that you know, twenty years from now, when I have kids and you know, listeners have kids, you know, they'll be able to say, yeah, you know, they were down, you know, two two one. And the worst bunter on the team. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what makes it even better. Was told horrible was told to lay down a bunt, twice failed, and on the third attempt, he just swung away and smacked that ball, almost cleared the bullpen. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't just like a, a creeper. Like creeped over the fence. No, you knew that was gone. Oh, yeah, I it mean, was gone right he, away. Uribe knew it was gone before he even left left yeah, the plate. The jazz hands, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that post game interview. Oh, god, awesome. So good. I, you know, I was at work that that evening, and throughout the entire playoff, uh, throughout the playoffs up to that point, the only game I had seen live was the first game of the NLDS, and I had been uh, recording the games, and I would shut myself out of Twitter. Mm-hmm. I would not answer any texts. I was just adamant that I was going to watch the game and experience it firsthand, and my phone was blowing up. I was at work and I had to close and my phone was blowing up and it wasn't until I got home that I saw your text that said 
put up that one your eBay post, put up that one your eBay post. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, what happened? So I'm watching the game, and as soon as I saw him go up to bunt, I'm thinking, oh, fuck, fuck. And then that's when I remembered your text, and I thought, holy shit, something big is going to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, even after it had happened, watching it, I mean, I damn near cried. Yeah, it was. Grown man near near cried. It was so amazing. It was something I'll never forget. It's one of those things like I'll re- I remember every single thing that happened when he hit that home run. I know who was in the room. I know who was watching. I know what I did. I literally went around and hugged my family. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. So good. But um, you know, and and I guess maybe we should close out the appetizers by closing out the 2013 season. You know, I feel like. The outcome, the final outcome, obviously, wasn't what any of us wanted. But man, it was a great season. Man. It was it was definitely a, a great season, and unfortunately, I, I was never, I never really, I, I had a um, an end of season post uh, for the blog saved in the drafts, and after reading everybody else's, I felt like everybody said what what needed to be said about mm-hmm. the season, and I was I wasn't really adding much to the conversation, but. The one thing that I I did mention in that draft was that if there was ever a season that made you feel the full gamut of human emotion, it was this season. Absolutely. You know, from complete despair to just resigning, signing the season off and just resigning to next season to thinking, holy shit, they might be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there was no better season to experience. There's no better season to become a Dodger fan. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are many people that became Dodger fans that won't pay attention to baseball next season, that stopped paying attention to baseball. You know, the normies. <laughs> the normies, yeah. But there are a lot of people that started to take notice in baseball. And I mean, my fiance, for example, you know, this was the first season, the first full season that she started watching baseball. And, you know, it was this season that really got her into it because how could you not? You know, it, of course it helped that I was a Dodger fan. Mm-hmm. But, I think that the thing that that really got her into it was just like, well, your team's going nowhere. What's your team going? What's your team up to? Look at them; they're they're winning. To this is our team. Like you, you take pride in that, you know. And you know when you experience a season like this one, you can't help but like the Dodgers, especially this this the team that was last season. Absolutely, and and we'll be going into this a little bit in the main dish about roster changes and that, but I feel like. You know, every year there's like players for me personally that sort of slip through the cracks, and you're like, you look back on a roster and you think, oh yeah, I, I forgot about that. Guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel like this roster, this at the 25 men, forget uh, the minor leaguers that came up for the <laughs> yeah, year, yeah. but like the the 25 man roster that was the 2013 season for the Dodgers was was definitely one that I'll definitely remember. Yeah, yeah. they're a memorable roster. Um, I think on the Dodger uh, Insider uh, mm-hmm. blog. Which, yeah. you know, I know. Oh, yeah, brand new. Yeah. Brand new. Awesome. John yeah. Weisman. John Weisman's yeah. doing a hell of a job with that. Um, definitely one on my, my favorites list. And I, I read it every day. I mean, mm-hmm. it's great insight for, for the Dodger fan. Um, if you're not already aware of it. But yeah. I think everyone. Yeah, everyone should everyone be. knows what the internet is. But is it, it's, it's awesome. It really is awesome. Um, but he posted a, a picture of the roster back to, I think, spring 2010. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you look back, and there are a bunch of players that you really don't remember. Yeah. You know, he uh, he stopped Choi. 
Yeah, I forgot that guy guy too. You know, there are times where I forget Andrew Jones was a Dodger for like a couple months. Yeah, you know, uh, who was it? Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent. Yeah, I remember Jeff Kent. Um, You know, there there are a lot of players that you. And it's fun to look back and think, well, when did so and so come up? You know, Matt Camp and Andre Ethier were sharing. They were sharing a spot in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there was a time when Matt Camp shared the outfield with Manny Ramirez. I definitely remember that. Um, yep. so yeah, I mean, you know, there are a lot of players that, that are forgettable and I think this roster in particular will be one of the rosters that we remember for a while. I think so as well. And um, it's a shame that there's going to be a little bit of turnover because it seemed like they got along quite well and, you know, yeah, they had that chemistry quote unquote that you like, <laughs> apparently you can't buy, but apparently, you know, you can use it to get to first place. Brandon Belt. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyways, I guess now's the best time to jump yeah. into the main dish. And while you jump into the main dish, I'm going to serve myself some more Maker's Mark. Oh, yeah. You want some? Uh, let me finish this. Um, so, for the main dish, uh, I guess a couple things we're going to talk. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, Ron just showed, showed me that, well, we've polished off half a bottle of Maker's Mark, and he showed me that we have about half a bottle left of another bottle. It is great. I might be crashing here tonight. <laughs> um, anyways. Um, yeah, like Aron alluded to in the appetizers, um, there were some roster changes over the offseason. Um, some of the players that won't be returning to the Dodgers. Um, Mark Alice won't be returning at second base, which... Yeah, the lesser Alice has left. And I do enjoy... I. I didn't enjoy Mark Ellis at the plate, but I did enjoy seeing Mark Ellis at second base. Um, I honestly think the Dodgers made the right move. They could have um, exercised his option, which I believe was for what five and a half million, something like that. They could have exercised his option and have gotten would have gotten a great defensive second baseman, but you know his he was swinging with a wet noodle and he wouldn't have done much at the plate. Um, he was only getting older. Yeah, that's the other thing. He was going to be 42, I think. No, he's not going to be that old, was he? I think so. No. I yeah, dude, I, 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 I'm almost I'm gonna positive. I'm going to look that up right now. Please, look it up. I, I, I'm almost positive he's already in his 40s. Um, Let's Also see. not returning to the Dodgers will be uh, Nick Punto. Oh, uh, poor Nicky. Yeah, I, I, I missed uh, Shredder. I'm going to miss Shredder Punto. Um, I really... I, I think the Dodgers got some pretty good value out he's, of him. Six doggy. Oh, my <laughs> bad. <laughs> Oops. Well, he looked like he was forty-two without, yeah, his, you know, without he, his hat. He doesn't look. He doesn't look yeah, he hasn't aged well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Nick Punto was a, a great addition to uh, to the bench. I think you know, and I think we each, each Dodger fan or you know Dodger online personality, whatever you want to call it, uh. Had their fair share of jabs at Nick Punto at first, but he really turned into a valuable asset mm-hmm. because, you know, you you talk about versatility, man. He could play third base, shortstop, second, mm-hmm. and that's what the Dodgers needed with the injuries that they had. You know, with uncertainty at third base with Juan Uribe at the beginning of the year and Luis Cruz also. Yeah, and then you know giving Mark Ellis a rest because of old. <laughs> Not saying that Punto's that. Not that he's any, but and I mean, I think Punto's biggest problem, which was a problem when he was on the Twins as well, um, 
You know, he made some errors running bases. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor dude. <laughs> uh, but, you yeah, know, I mean, that one in the playoffs over, over the course of the season, what player doesn't, <laughs> you know, make yeah. errors running the bases? Mm-hmm. Um, two blondes. <laughs> two blondes. But the... Blan? You know, I'm not going to lie. I thought Toot Blan was a candy bar. <laughs> Sounds like a candy bar. It could be a candy bar. I kind of want to eat a Toot Blan right now. I wonder if Carl's Jr. has some Toot Blans. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, check. we'll check after the episode. We'll keep you guys updated on Twitter. Um, But I, I think and the problem of, of not having a versatile bench is starting to show itself now because mm-hmm. the the free agent market is so sparse. Sparse? Sparse? Sparse. So sparse. Sparse. I teach preschool boys and girls. Um, The free agent market is so sparse, and there's really no one the Dodgers could put on the bench. You know, they could have re-signed Nick Punto, but, you know, I think the Dodgers are really hoping for someone that can not only field, but can also somewhat hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't rely on Nick Punto bringing the same kind of bat he brought last season into the 2014 season. Um, you know, nor, nor Skip Schumacher, who was who, also released. Well, or not he, released. And he was awful. He was, I, he wasn't, he wasn't, I, I take that back. He wasn't awful, but I don't think the Dodgers got what they were expecting from right. him. Uh, yeah. I don't, I yeah, I mean, because I, I, when I heard that Skip Schumacher was going to be on the Dodgers, I was at first excited about it. And as the season went on, I became lukewarm about it. And when they released him, I wasn't heartbroken. No, yeah. Um, I think Skippy, you know, aside from the fact that he sort of became a crucial piece in the playoff um, outfield due to injuries due mm-hmm. to EPR and stuff. Um, aside from that, I can't really say that I have any feelings for him because it's not like he contribu- contributed a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. Um Oh, yeah. Sorry. Skip Schumacher. We won't miss you. Um, also not returning to the Dodgers. Actually, he will be returning to the Dodgers, but not as a player. Uh, Jerry Harrison Jr. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. He joined. He Girl retired Girl. and joined the broadcast team. And You know, I had a soft spot for Jerry Harrison. I, I, I Because he, he was a good personality. And for, he was at the Dodgers for three years. I think. Yeah, I think so. So first, for the first two years, he did his job. You know, he was a utility man. He could play the outfield. Um, first base. Yeah, first base, second. You know, not necessarily well, but he was there when the Dodgers needed him. And yeah. You know, he, he was pretty much all you could ask for as, as far as a bat goes for you know, with a utility man. This year, though, he brought literally nothing to the table. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't blame him for retiring. I don't blame him either. And, and I think that I that's very... Um, I admire him for doing that because mm-hmm. too many players don't know when to absolutely you know hang up the jersey. Yeah, and it, and it gets to the point where they become jokes, shells, really. Yeah, shells of themselves and become the butt of jokes. Really <coughs> young, <coughs> and you know. I'm sorry, you got a cold there. I, I think I, you came down with a bad no, case yeah. of Michael Young. I, I think, yeah, I did. Whew, sorry <laughs> about that, guys. Anyways, and you know what? He's taking advantage of what he's good at, and that's. You know, being a good personality, and I think yeah. he's going to thrive on TV. Yeah. Speaking of the broadcast team, you know, oh, hey, we can get into that. Yeah, too. Uh, the Dodgers brought on uh, Nomar Garcia Parra. Awesome. Nomar, hometown guy. Yeah. Whittier, Whittier is literally down the street from where we live, and that's where we're I, I live in Whittier. Live in Whittier now. That's yeah, right. I live in Whittier. So, all right, Nomar, 
Um, who else joined the broadcast team? It was uh, Nomar Garcia Parra. Oral Hershiser. Oh, that's Bulldog. right. The Bulldog, Oral Hershiser. Welcome back. Yeah, I'm really excited about him. I, I like Oral. Personally, uh, I really enjoy his broadcast style. Mm-hmm. He brings a lot of insight into the pitching aspect, which is something that I find extremely fascinating. You know, and actually, it's more of a recent thing. I've, I've really been interested, become interested in pitching mechanics and yeah like you know that was me last season (laughs) um when i first delved into sabermetrics it was all about the uh the the hitting the offense and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and um this that's the gateway drug yeah it really is the good stuff the pitching the pitching is the hard stuff and um one of my i and i'm gonna be patting myself on the back here but one of my i feel was my best piece on the blog was analyzing uh Kershaw at Coors Field. Um, unfortunately, some of the images are no longer available because uh, Brooks Field, what Brooks Baseball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they changed their oh. their coding every once in a while. But um, I feel there's there's really something to admire about pitching, and you know, great pitching analysis can get the casual casual fan into uh, into a more uh, a analytical deeper, mindset, yeah, a deeper and, and because well, I mean, once you sort of delve into those, you know, the analysis of baseball and like the statistics and everything, man, you're all in. So yeah, it's like, yeah, you you've killed <laughs> the pig, you're gonna eat the bacon. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, and I, I think that's the thing is that with Oral Hershiser being part of the team, you know, Dodger fans are gonna get a, a real treat when it comes to pitching. Absolutely. Um, you know that there, there there's. There's, and I've said this plenty of times. I think you know to our friend Christian. You know, Christian is doesn't think pitchers should get paid the money that they've been getting paid with. You know, Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke, and um, with what Kershaw will be getting, yeah, eventually. Um, I'm crossing my fingers. Well, he'll get it from <laughs> yeah. someone. Yeah, no, he will. He definitely yeah. will. Um, but our friend Christian says, you know that the bats should be getting more of the money. And, right, you know, he has a good argument to make. You know, one of the ways to win a baseball game is to score a lot of runs. The other way to win a baseball game is to prevent a lot of runs. Right. And the argument I make for that is that, and excuse me, I'm going to delve off into uh, statistics. Oh, boy, here we go. (laughs) Hold on, boys and girls. Um, If you figure just using classical probability, you're either going to hit the ball or you're not going to hit the ball. So say that a batter that goes up, everybody has a 300 average, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a 30% chance that a player will hit a ball. There's a 70% chance that he will miss the ball. So if you take into the fact that there's a 30% chance that he'll hit the ball and he'll hit it for a home run, that statistical probability becomes even smaller. So we'll say 15% of the time he'll hit a home run, right? Well, if the next time he comes up to bat, that 15% of the time he's going to hit a home run. Well, now those two statistics, you multiply them together because they're you know mutually exclusive events. So now the second time to hit a home run becomes smaller. And it becomes smaller the third time and the fourth time. So each consecutive home run becomes harder or more statistically improbable to happen. Unless you're Barry Bonds. Unless you're Barry Bonds. <laughs> so as each home run becomes statistically improbable to happen... The flip side of that is that the, you know, if say by the fourth at bat, you know, the percentage of hitting the likelihood of hitting a home run is say, you know, 5%. 
that means there's a 95% chance that a home run won't be hit. So that means that as the game goes on, it's more advantageous to have a great pitcher than it is to have a stack lineup. Well, yeah, of course. But, I mean, the, the, the point I'm making is that it's a lot easier to prevent runs than it is to keep scoring runs. You know, high-scoring high, high games are an anomaly. Low-scoring games are not. They're actually the norm. Mm-hmm. Especially in the sort of return to a pitcher era yeah. that we're in right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think... I think uh, you know, I I understand the argument because especially, you know, people say, oh, pitchers only don't even play every single game. And so why are they getting so much money? Yeah, 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 sure. I get it. But, you know, like you said, the pitcher is literally the most important player on the field. Yeah, yeah. And, I, well, and think about it, too. I mean, pitching isn't throwing a ball overhand isn't a natural motion. Mm-mm. And throwing it the way pitchers throw it now it's completely unnatural, and that's why you see pitchers, you know, they suffer huge injuries to their arms. Um, yeah. As they get older, they can no longer throw as hard as they can because their their arm just doesn't allow them to. I mean, it's such a taxing motion that goes on, and just because they aren't pitching over the course of four days doesn't mean that they aren't throwing the ball. I right. mean, pitchers throw bullpen sessions in between starts, mm-hmm. and they are constantly keeping their arm alive really so you know it's it's especially starting pitchers i mean starting pitching is tough i mean i know when we've gone to play baseball i mean i haven't in a while but you know jerk (laughs) i've been working mornings on sundays i'm sorry but you know my arm is dead after playing you know for a whole afternoon Uh, it's dead i I mean I, i really maybe if i kept throwing the ball more or more often than i do now my arm's sore. My shoulder hurts. You know, and imagine throwing a hundred pitches at ha- as hard as you can in a precise location. Yeah. So anybody that says the pitcher shouldn't get the money that you know they're getting now, I honestly think they're wrong, and they're quite frankly out of their mind. Wow. Sorry, Christian. That was amazing. Thank you, David. You're out of your mind, Christian. Goddamn mind. Cool. That was a good tangent. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I guess back to the main dish, though. Yeah, the main uh, dish, we were talking about the roster changes. So, let's get into now future, the future of the game. The 2014 Dodgers, Dodgers yes. Um, Alexander Guerrero, I guess, is the biggest addition. Yeah, and uh, he is slated to be the starting second baseman in 2014. Um, un- not, confirmed. not confirmed. And he has a he had a hamstring injury over the, the winter, and I think the... The Dodger organization is really watching that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're nursing his injury. And, you know, I mean, considering that that's really what disabled the Dodgers throughout all of 2013 was just fucking hamstring injuries, man. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I think, you know, the Dodgers are really looking out, especially because they really don't have anybody on the bench. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're really trying to make sure that, that he's ready for 2014. Um. The re-signing of Juan Uribe. Uribe, Uribe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh man, Twitter was alive. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you where I was when Juan Uribe was re-signed. Farmer Boy in Ontario. 
Dang. What were you doing in Ontario? That's a long story. Okay. Anyways. Well, anyways, I, I was I was at home. <laughs> I was at home, but not at not Ontario. I was at home and uh, just happened to jump on Twitter. Yeah. There's a. I think I had got an alert saying someone was retweeting a lot yeah. of people or something like that, and I opened it up, and boom, he's back. Yeah, it was it. Everything leading up to the resigning of Juan Uribe was just terrible. Yeah, it was <laughs> you awful. know, there, I mean, during the winter meetings, there was a lot of of there were a lot of rumors. I mean, the biggest signing of of the off season was Robinson Cano, mm-hmm. and he got the contract that I I knew he was going to get, and I'm glad the Dodgers aren't going to be paying him that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Robinson Cano got uh, $240 million over the next 10 years. So and He's already 30, 31. 30, 31. Oh. Yeah. I know. And that's the thing is that if you, if you read the blog, I made comparisons to Albert Pujols, who got a 10-year, 10, a 10 $240 million contract at the age of 32. Uh, Derek Jeter will make an insane amount of money from now until when his contract expires. And he's about 30-something. Um, even oh, Adrian so Gonzalez will make... Oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's thirty something. He's thirty one, I think, and he'll make over a hundred million from now until the time his contract expires. And you know, it's I'm sure the Mariners are. I I, I personally think Robinson Cano was justified in asking for that money. The fact that any team would pay him that money is a whole another story. Um, but the Mariners decided to pay him that money, and the Mariners will get a solid second baseman and a solid second baseman that can hit um now whether he's going to be healthy through the length of his contract remains to be seen and i think that's the big that was the biggest concern for me right um was just it wasn't worth the risk 10 years is a long time that's a long freaking time you're signing that contract at 31 you know you're literally saying, "Hey, we're going to lock you in for a huge amount of money in your declining years." That's what we're going to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that's 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 the biggest point to be made there is that at age 31 you're already over the hump mm-hmm. you know you're not going anywhere else but down unless you're nolan ryan <laughs> but even then you know there's really nowhere else for you to go and you know hopefully the mariners get get their money's worth but yeah. i don't see it happening i like the mariners i i do too they're they're yeah, well, we went over this earlier yeah because of video games <laughs> yeah it was my first foray into baseball yeah um but yeah, Robinson Cano was the biggest, um, the biggest name on the free agent market, um, and so once he was gobbled up, there was really no one else out there for, you know. Yeah, there was there was there were things like Ellsbury and uh, uh, Beltran and Infante and Infante and Shu, but I mean, those are as far as Dodgers go. You, those are all players we knew we had. There there was no, yeah. There was no interest in anyone. Yeah. So I think the biggest question mark was Uribe and well third base actually yeah yeah well third base yeah right you're right in general third base like you know there was there were times when it felt like Uribe wasn't going to resign and we were you know we were wondering like man like it's not your if not Uribe then who and And there's really nothing out there there was a Euclid he ended up going to Japan yeah yeah or Korea was (laughs) Japan Japan yeah Euclid um you read the blog. He was definitely on the decline. He's been on the decline for the last four seasons. Yeah. Um, and the other option was Michael Fucking Young, who, good God, there's still the possibility that he becomes a Dodger. I and you know what? As time goes on, I feel like the possibility gets greater and greater. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, 
he can play multiple positions in the infield and quote quotes on play. Yeah, I, I think really at this point the Dodgers just need warm, or Coletti's just looking for warm bodies to give the right, right everyday starters a rest. Yeah, you know I think you know the Dodgers are probably thinking okay, well on these days we can expect to lose, <laughs> and you know every other day when we have our starters out there we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean there's a real possibility that Michael Young was gonna be the everyday third baseman. Scary times. Scary times, and then the clouds. Parted. Angry bay, like a shining, the storm calmed. Like a, a, sh- a shining ray of light came down upon us. Four horsemen came down. <laughs> Led by Uribe. And Uribe. <laughs> on a chariot of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and Uribe slayed everyone who doubted his return. <laughs> Man, that was so scary. Two years, I can definitely do three years of Uribe. I, yeah, no, I, I can too. Yeah. I, you know, quite honestly, even if he's terrible. Even if he's terrible. Yeah. Even if he's terrible. Because, you know what? I know now what I didn't know back then. He's a great guy. Yeah, he just really to, is. Just, uh, I mean, if he is there to be fodder for Hanley Ramirez and Puig, you know, whatever they do to him, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Send him up. You know what? Just hire him as a coach after he retires, just so that way those Actually, can... hire him as a, a post-game... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a post-game... <laughs> Post-game commentary. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But, no, so, I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad that he returned. You, you know, know what? And here's my prediction on Juan Uribe. I think he's not going to have, like, such a... I, mean, I don't want to use the word breakout because he's a veteran. You know, he's been around. But he's not going to have, like, the comeback year he had of 2013. I don't think so. I think he'll just have a solid year. His Defense has always been great, mm-hmm. so that's not going to change. He's a gold glove, uh... Andrew. Yeah, second place, I think. Yeah. Came in. So yeah, he's gonna be great at defense, and uh, he'll be he'll be decent with the bat. You know, nothing extravagant. He was hoping for another huge home run, that, but you know, I'm not expecting that. But I I feel like you know, those first two years as a Dodger, he's probably learned a lot since then. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing for for that impressed me about Juan Uribe was after two. Terrible seasons with the Dodgers. You know, he came into 2013 slimmer, mm-hmm. fitter. Yes. You know, he knew he wasn't going to be a starter, but that didn't deter him from being at his physical best. Right. Absolutely. And that really speaks about the man. Um, because, really, it would have been very easy for him to be like, well, you know what? I, I know where my place is on this team, and it's on the bench. And I'm going to bust a Prince Fielder and steal nachos whenever I can. <laughs> um, but I think the fact that he came into 2013 prepared to start yeah, um, speaks about his character. And the Dodgers, you know, the, they're, that, they're that working team. Mm-hmm. And Juan Uribe exemplifies that. Absolutely. And he earned it, man. He earned all the praise he's get, he got for 2013. Yeah. He earned it. And he... Deserved. I mean, I would have preferably gone one year with an uh, an option, team option. But you know what? Two years. Yeah, I can. I can handle two years. Yeah. And then you know what? He can retire Dodger. Yeah, I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope he does because you know. I don't want to see him for playing for another team. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> um, and I'm glad the the Dodgers organization is realizing the. Oh yeah. The the king. Yeah. The king. He's called King Uribe Dodgers. 
Yes. on it already. Come on. We know you like it. <laughs> we saw you favorite our tweet, so uh, you know we know that you know we exist. But no, I'm I'm glad that he's returning. Um, also returning to the uh, the Dodgers, um, Brian Wilson. Oh yeah. Oh, how could I forget? Yeah, Brian Wilson. That's a big one. Yeah, he is. He's returning for one year, ten million dollars, mm-hmm. and it, it's funny because you know the the reaction on Twitter has been mixed, but one of the things that stuck out was. The fact that people were saying, oh, well, you know, he's a setup man. He's getting closer money. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you know, I mean. You know what? It's just uh, people are so obsessed with closers, closers, closers. And uh, how about just a good relief pitcher? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is that, you know, whether he's closing or not, you have a, a dominant veteran mm-hmm. relief pitcher. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're pitching the seventh, eighth, the ninth, the sixth, the third, the fourth. You want a dominant pitcher there. Yeah, and, and he can go, if, you know, several innings. Yeah, yeah. And so, why not? You know, he showed that the talent is still there. He yeah. hasn't lost it. You know, why not give him ten million? Yeah, I mean, for two years you paid this man eleven million dollars, or actually a year and a half. Right. You paid this man eleven million dollars. You know, and there's also I think there's a, a there's team option. Or no, a uh, player option. Player option, yeah. Uh, for eight and a half million for twenty fifteen. Right. I mean, really? I mean, that that's that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and and when you couple him with Kenley Jansen, oh, who will man. be the closer. If I'm not mistaken, I read. I think Bill Shaken said that he's going to be uh, receiving five million for closer to be a closer. Right. Which um, bonuses? Yeah. yeah. You know, I. Fifteen million dollars, and you have Wilson and Jansen as your one-two relief punch. I mean, really, Wilson and Jansen are pretty much the equivalent of Kershaw Granke. Yeah, on the other. Yeah, on the other end of the pitching. Yeah, at the other end of the game. So sad. Yeah, I mean, I I love Kenley Jansen, and when he, I'll admit, when he first came up, you know, I thought he was a joke. Um, but you know, they sent him back down to the minors. I think it was in two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. They sent him back down to the minors, and he refined, his, he refined his pitching. And when he came back up, it was only a matter of time before he got the closer role. Man, I'm the complete opposite. I love Jensen when he first came up. And uh, not because I'm like some sort of advanced, got some advanced eye or anything, but I just, I love the fact that he used to be a catcher. Yeah. And he converted to pitcher. I thought that was so awesome. And so I was always rooting for him. And then when he, once he got the closer job, I was like, yeah, and, and then have you seen that the, the gif of his cutter? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, the movement on it is ridiculous. It's, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, I can barely hit a ninety mile per hour fastball. <laughs> if I were to swing at his cutter, I'd I'd whiff every single time. You throw out your back. I would, I would. It's insane, and uh, I think, I think, here's my here's another prediction. The podcast of predictions for me, 2014 is going to be Kenley Jansen's year. He's going to be finally realized because I feel like he's still kind of like under the radar for a lot of people. Yeah, I think he's going to be realized. not just with Dodger fans, but just in baseball in general. Yeah, baseball in general. But with Dodger fans, for some reason, people don't like him, and I don't understand that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> that's that's another podcast. It's, yeah, that's, that's, that's been, been literally that's, that's been a blog post that I've been wanting to post for a while, and I've never been able to really refine it the way I want to. To to really 
explain and just show Canley's dominance as a relief pitcher. And it's insane because the numbers are there. The evidence is there. You know, you can look at that GIF or like you can look at videos. You can see how insane his cutter is. But there's still people that cannot back Jansen and it pisses me off so hard. It's, it's insane. How, look, obviously no pitcher is perfect. Every pitcher is going to have a down day. And, you know, a lot of people refer to game one of of the NLCS when, you know, Kenley came in with like two men on base and he gave Pitching against Yadier Molina. Wasn't it Beltran that... Was it Beltran? Carlos, oh, yeah, it was Beltran. It, it was, was Carlos yeah. Beltran, yeah. He was pitching against Beltran and, you know... You have two men on base already, or however many it was. It's damn hard to get out of a jam like that, no matter what kind of pitch you are. And But people blame them for it. And, you know, I think if you're going to do that, then, you know, you should probably look at Kershaw's game against the Cardinals. Oh, don't get me started about that. And I don't want to get started on that. <laughs> but but, but what, let me let me just close off what I'm my Yeah, yeah, go for, it, go for it. I'm just going to close it off. Um you can't praise Kershaw like the way people do and then, you know, treat Kenley different because they're almost at the same level, like, as far as their jobs go. Kershaw, obviously, being a starting pitcher, you know, it's a more, uh, it's a spot with more reverence. And, mm. But as a closer, Kenley is just as dominant. No, and, and I, you're absolutely right about that. And I, I think, you know, Maybe it's because people don't pay attention to closers or, or relief pitchers. Relief pitchers, yeah. Um, and and I, I guess that's just the that just comes with the territory, mm-hmm. you know. Unless you're Mariano Rivera, you yeah. know, or yeah. Eric Gagne, you know, no one really knows who you are as a relief pitcher. You know, you have one job, and that's just to go in there, throw a few pitches, and the inning, and your name just goes under the radar for the rest of your career. Um, yeah, because if honestly, if you were to ask me to name the bullpen for the Dodgers over the past four years, I could. If you were to tell me to, if you were to ask me to name the 2012 <laughs> bullpen, bullpen, yeah, I, I would definitely miss a few names. Absolutely. Yeah, I, God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't think of anybody really other than I mean, the only reason, Jansen and Guerra. The only reason I know the 2012 bullpen is because I play on the 2012 the show, <laughs> and so I know the bullpen that I have, even though I traded about half. Yeah, and that was just you know. Two seasons ago. Yeah. It's an, and yeah, bullpen jobs are like the most, that's where you see the most turnover on a team. Mm-hmm. So when you have someone like Jansen in your bullpen, I feel like he deserves the recognition. And, and, but, you know, at the same time as a relief pitcher, people, it seems like people like so easily criticize relief pitchers. And, and it's because, you know, they're in there for an inning max, and if yeah. they fuck it up, then it's just. And it, you got to think about a relief pitcher's role is that you're coming in, you're not. If the starting pitcher fails to do his job, you're coming in to clean up the mess. Yeah. So yeah. you're already coming in into a fucked up situation, yeah. you know, and and fans are already pissed off. And, yeah, exactly. You, know, you give up a, another run on top of the four that the starting pitcher's already given up, then you know you're just as liable to their punishment as as they are. So it's. And usually, managers won't call the bullpen until the damage has already been done. Mm-hmm. So how how much time do you have to warm up anyways? You know, it's not like you're warming up for a whole inning, and now you're ready to throw. 
I mean, you're throwing what? Maybe 10, 15 pitches before you're thrown out there? Yeah. You know, your arm's cold. <laughs> you know, you're, you're thrown into this high leverage situation. And you pray to God that you, you have your best stuff. So, you know, and this is not to excuse some really bad relief pitchers. <coughs> but, you know, just if you imagine the situation that a relief pitcher is thrown in and you get someone as dominant as Kenley Jansen, you know, you know, you, you, you have to expect them to slip up every once in a while. Yeah, just just given the circumstances. I mean, you know, in my biggest uh, example is look at Mariano Rivera. Here's this guy that over the 2013 season was getting all this praise from everyone. You know, it was like universal acclaim for this mm-hmm. guy. He literally gave up one of the biggest pitches in the 2001 World Series. He allowed Luis Gonzalez to hit that game-winning hit in Game 7. Yeah. And the Diamondbacks won. People don't seem to sort of brush that under the rug. That was Mariano Rivera. Yeah, the, the, the greatest closer of all time. Yeah. So it happens. And I think people for are unnecessarily, um, you know, harsh against Kenley, despite his utter and complete dominance as a relief pitcher. So, uh, where were we heading with this? Well, where I was going to head with this. Thank you. I appreciate it. My desk enjoys whiskey very much. I, I Only the it best does. kind, too. Yes. Um, where I was heading with it was... Um, we were talking about Brian Wilson being at it. That's well, how we got here. Yeah, but <laughs> well, actually, what, what I want to add to the Kenley Chan- Jansen discussion, and this is going to be a bold statement that I'm going to make, and I've made it a few times. I think I may have mentioned it on the podcast. And I know I've definitely said it in private, but now that Mariano Rivera has retired, Kenley Jansen will be one of the greatest closers next season. And by 2015, he will be the greatest closer. I back that 100%. And I, I, I know that there's other people on the internet, internet yeah. that will also back that. And I, 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 like you said, this year is going to be his year as a closer. And I think the 2015 season, we will definitely see the uh, the rise of praise and Kenley Jansen. Yeah. You'll see many converts. Yeah. So, guys, you heard it here first. Kenley Jansen, 2014. Second coming of Mariano Rivera. Yeah. So... Uh, let's see who else. Uh, who else was added to the Dodgers? I think that might have been it. I think as far as like big moves go, that's about it. Um, we can talk about hopeful, yeah, uh, additions. Yeah, or hopeful more, additions. Uh, more like uh, extensions. Hopeful yeah. extensions. Um, the biggest one so far has been the lack of Kershaw's uh, extension. Um, have you have you lost sleep over the you know the course of the offseason? As the time has gone on, I've noticed that I've been getting less and less sleep. I've been going to bed, you know, later or earlier into the morning because I keep thinking, what are the Dodgers doing? Why haven't they re-signed? Why haven't they they given him all the money in the world yet? Give him my money. (laughs) I will give Clinton Kershaw, I will give you the entire amount of my savings account. Just re-sign with the Dodgers. Just do it. Uh, You know, please. I think no news is good news. Um, I hope so. From what I've heard and from what, from what I've read, Kershaw wants to keep the contract negotiations mm-hmm. uh, private. Yeah. And that's fine. I, I understand. And I, as long as, you know, we don't hear they can't come to terms with anything. Well, 
from everything that Coletti keeps saying, it's they're in cons- constant mm. discussion. You know, whether it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I want to sorry. I don't think constant is the right word, but they're they're still talking about. Yes, yeah, exactly. What's going on? And I, you know, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Kershaw wants to remain a Dodger. Um, That's good. I don't have that. <laughs> I no. I, I he doesn't. I mean, I I don't. I can't imagine him being the kind of guy that will not want this to work. That would not want this to work out. I'm sure he wants to get his the money he 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 feels he deserves. But I can see him wanting to get the money he feels he deserves from the Dodgers and not from any other organization. Two things. Um I think a big factor and I I'm I'm glad 2013 even though it didn't end Perfectly, I'm glad it went the way it went because I know Kershaw, and I'm saying this because I know him personally because we're buzz, <laughs> we're bros. But I know Kershaw wants to win, and to me, to 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 him, that's the most important thing. And I'm glad 2013 ended the way it did because the Dodgers have shown that they're a winning team. Yeah, they're capable of getting far in the playoffs and you know doing well. So that's a plus. And number two, Dodgers have big, deep, extremely, like, the most enormous amount of deepness in their pockets right now. Because Deepness. Deepness, deepness. deepness in their pockets. Because, goddamn, they have so much money. And yeah. so, those are the two factors, I think, the Dodgers have on other teams. Well, you know, if, um, you know, God forbid, or... Uh, you know, Piazza, Piazza forbid. forbid. <laughs> Piazza forbid. Uh, he ever went into free agency. Well, I, I think the other thing to take into consideration too is look at the teams that could be possible suitors for for Kershaw. Uh, the Yankees, you know, offered Ellsbury. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they tied up their money, and I think they're in a process of rebuilding their roster and adding an ace like that. You know, ties them up even more. I I, I don't think I don't as well. Here's the thing. Uh, I feel like a lot of teams would love to sign Kershaw. The only teams that have that kind of money and that might be willing to spend it are obviously the Dodgers. Um, Yankees need a, need more pitchers. They do need they, more pitchers. They desperately need pitchers. Um, but, you know, everywhere I read, it says that they're trying to get below that luxury tax. Yeah, yeah. Look. Let's stop speculating about where Kershaw's going to go, because it's making me depressed. <laughs> That's why we have the whiskey. It's not helping. <laughs> Kershaw needs to resign with the Dodgers, and they need to get it done before spring training starts. If, if the Dodgers cannot close a deal before the season starts or whatever, and Kershaw eventually goes into free agency, I will have a hard time. Yeah, so will I. I... Because I think this is this is this se- upcoming season will be his third year of arbitration. Yeah, and after this, he is eligible for free. Yeah, so, um, it needs to it needs to happen. Ned, I know you're listening to this podcast on um, religiously, so let's wrap it up, B. Yeah, you you resigned your eBay, so we we know you listen. Yeah. Um, the other contract extension that needs to happen is Hanley Ramirez. Um. You know, I, I just put up a blog post today about um, what Ramirez means to the offense. And it's huge. You know, 
Ramirez had a WRC plus, and for those of you that forgot what that means, that's a that means wins uh, or runs created, weighted runs created, and it's adjusted for league and park average. So across the entire league, you can compare players. Um, he had a WRC plus of one ninety one, and so where the league average is at a hundred, every point above one hundred means that you're one percent better, or you create one percent more runs than the league average. Anything below 100, you're just terrible. Um, he had a WRC plus of 191, meaning that he generated 91% more runs than an average player. Now, keep in mind that he only played in 86 games and had 336 plate appearances. Now, if you look at the number of players that had at minimum 300 plate appearances, and I know that's a small sample size over the course of a season. But with a minimum of 300 plate appearances, he was second behind Miguel Cabrera. Everyone loves Miguel Cabrera. And runs created, weighted runs created. He was second behind Miguel Cabrera and weighted on base average. He was the second best offensive player in baseball with a minimum of 300 plate appearances. Can you imagine if he played the, played out the entire season? Now, the Dodgers had a limping offense all throughout April, May, and kind of the beginning of June, really. Even even throughout June, it seemed like they were limping still. They it wasn't until about gra- yeah, yeah the middle of June. Mm-hmm. That's when they started regaining the, their composure, and that's when Hanley. That's rejoined. when Hanley came back. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people give. A lot of credit, and yeah, you know, he deserves a lot of it mm-hmm. because he was this sort of fireball that sort of yeah. reignited the Dodgers. But you know, when it comes down to it, Hanley had far better year, better year than Puig did, and he deserves all the money. Yeah, he really does. Any all the money that's left over when you sign the first shot, Ned, just just go ahead and just give it to Hanley for the next. We don't need a, a bullpen overlook. We need Kershaw and Hanley. Yeah, yeah. Forget all that, all those planning things that you guys are doing for Dodgers. Just give it to them for the next what five, four, four or five years. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds like it. Um, but um, we saw the effects of a Hanley-less, a Ramirez-less um, mm. offense in the NLCS game. One of the NLCS, Ramirez was, was took a fastball to the ribs, broke or hairline fracture to the ribs, and. After that, the offense wasn't the same. Yeah, and Piazza blessed him for trying to play through it, but yeah, I mean, he obviously was hurting. Yeah, he he just couldn't do it, and you know, it. I admire him for trying to really play through it. I mean, I I understand why it was his first postseason. Yeah, he man. really wanted to prove himself to the Dodgers, um, and he did. He really did. He played through that injury. Unfortunately, you got the normies that are saying, well, if he could play it, Kemp can play through it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Kemp was going <laughs> to fracture his ankle. Yeah, sure. Ru- ruin the rest of your career for a uh, postseason. Yeah, probably not exactly. Win. You know, let me just take off this boot. <laughs> um, Awful. But, no, I think, you know. You should really pioneer the baseball normie uh, as a term. Baseball normie? Baseball normie. Like, I, I, I feel like there isn't really a term for that. I feel like, you know, people complain about it a lot on blogs and things like that. But I feel like you should be the ones that 
bring it to the to the forefront of the baseball bloggers. Maybe we should get Dodger shirts with the last name, not a normie. Not a normie. <laughs> Dude, something needs to happen, man, because there's too many. There's, look, there, there are different tiers of baseball normie, too, because you have the baseball normie that goes to baseball games just because they want to go to a game. Yeah. They go, they drink a beer, they have a Dodger dog. Oh, no, not a beer. They drink multiple Bud Lights. <laughs> Coors Light, dog. Coors Light, whatever light beer they have there. They pay $13 for the large. And that's like your top tier baseball normie. Who doesn't who still thinks that uh, Manny Ramirez should be on the Dodgers. <laughs> that's like, boom. That's who, they wonder why Manny Ramirez was traded yeah. when they don't even know he was suspended. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, fool, why isn't Manny Ramirez still on this thing? Hey, dog, dog what happened to Manny Wood? <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's like, that's like through the roof baseball army. And then you have the baseball army that has access to the internet. And thinks, <laughs> and thinks that they know things about, you know, players and things like that. They, you know, these are the kinds of people that believe in pitcher wins and they believe that uh, RBIs. RBIs and batting average, you know, those are the mm. the stats to look at. And then, uh, well, I think you have the baseball normie after that, that really looks into baseball, can make an argument about, you know, why a certain player, or let's just say, for example, a pitcher with a certain ERA Mm -hmm. is better than another pitcher with an ERA. You know, they, they look at stats and they're, they, they make arguments and they may not be good arguments or the best argument, but they're a little more involved in, in trying to analyze players. That's where I was. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of like the stepping stone, you know, to really get into baseball. So that's like, that's like tier three. You're almost out of the normie tier. Yeah. You're like, you're like teetering on normie and God, I need a life. It, it will, <laughs> it's kind of like if anyone's a beer drinker. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you drink <laughs> bad beer all your life. And then you discover Blue Moon. And you think, holy shit, this is amazing. And there's two ways for you to go after trying a Blue Moon. Boom. You can go the route that Aron and I went, which is, huh, this is good. What else is out there? Mm-hmm. And we go straight for the good stuff. Yep. You know, Stone. Um, well, even Stone. Like, Stone is even a, a bigger stepping stone to other stuff. Yeah, actually. There's, there's... That, that's actually probably the... the I would say Stone is like that first beer after you pass the gateway. Yeah. It's like Stone is there. Hey, welcome to good beer. Here's all the stuff that, you know. You should try after this. You should try after us. Um, Of course, there's the other route you could take after trying Blue Moon, and that's trying Shock Top. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I'm so glad you did. But Um, it's true. It's It's true. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I was... I was at work. This was before we went on winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at work and I walked into the teacher's lounge and um, I think I was wearing my Dodger hoodie and I got into a conversation with a substitute that was there and he really impressed me with his baseball knowledge. It wasn't good knowledge, but he really impressed me with it. Mm-hmm. He was that tier three normie, mm-hmm. you know, was able to make an argument about pitcher wins, um, didn't really put too much stock into pitch count. Um, and he made a really solid argument about not putting too much stock into pitch count, which was these are major league professional pitchers. You know, 
if you, and he, he even brought up Kershaw. He said, you know, why are you going to limit Kershaw from pitching? You know, he pitched in game one of the NLDS yeah. and he pitched in game four of the NLDS. Game four, right? Yeah, yeah. game four. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, why are people so worried about it? His arm is already fully developed. This is a guy that's at the peak of his game, you know. Well, some say he hasn't even reached his peak. No, exactly. But but the the, the point he was making was was convincing. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, you're right. Why why would you put too much stock into that? Mm-hmm. Um, I still think pitch count is a very important thing to, yeah, to look at. Personally, I do. Yeah. Especially for the longevity of someone's career. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like tier three, you tier know, three normie. Tier three normie. Yeah. I'm glad we're developing tiers here. I'm, yeah. No, I'm no, really yeah, confident yeah. about. Where this is headed? No, no, exactly. I, I would say like maybe my dad, uh-huh. tier two normie. I think my dad's about a tier two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your brother's probably a tier two normie. Uh, he's, he's more into. He's getting into tier three. He's getting there. He's getting there. Slow, slowly. Surely. If he would listen to the podcast, he would definitely be past tier three by now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, and I think you know a lot of people went to high school with are tier one normies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think. Uh, something. I think so too. Yeah. Good. So too. So next uh next year when we're at Bloggers Night, uh, we'll, we will stand up front. Hopefully Coletti will be listening. We'll be like, "Here are the different tiers for baseball normies." Yeah. I like your charts, Coletti, but here we have a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Anyways, uh yeah, so uh backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. Hanley Ramirez we signed for a lot of money. And, Kershaw uh, even Kershaw, more money. Even more money for more years. Yeah. He needs to be a doctor for this. You know what? I can't... Oh, God. You know, the same thing was said about Piazza. Dude. Well, here's the thing. I think the difference being is that when Piazza was traded, he was traded by the corporation that owned the Dodgers. There isn't a corporation that owns the Dodgers. Yeah, right now we are spoiled by wonderful owners that care not just about what the Dodgers do on the field, but how the fans... You, the Dodgers. I honestly think that this, this this organization, the owners, they care about what the Dodgers mean to LA. Yeah, and and I that's what that's how it should be. Yeah, it's because Dodgers are such a huge part of Los Angeles ever since they came over here. Yeah, no, I mean you so, can't. I mean you cannot separate that LA Dodgers that the symbol yeah. that hat. You can't separate that from LA. It defines LA. It real the Dodgers are for the rest of baseball's existence. Dodgers will be LA. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there there will be. I mean, there, there's really. It's not going to be like the Raiders, where the Raiders, you know, they they came to LA, mm-hmm. made a name for themselves, and then went back to Oakland. Right. Dodgers aren't going back to Brooklyn. No, no, they they never will. They're, and 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 even uh, a team like the Lakers, who are far more like winning mm-hmm. than the Dodgers are. They're they're very much LA as well. They're they're LA, but I, I feel like I still feel like Dodgers are like. When you think of sports teams, I feel like they represent LA better. I well, I think so too because to me, I think if the Lakers represent anything of LA, it's Hollywood. They that that Hollywood glamour. Mm-hmm. You know, they're definitely that that flashy team, and maybe it's because you know of of Jerry Buss. You know, um, really developing that that Showtime image of the. Um, what I love about the Dodgers is that they represent everything about LA. Everything, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, diversity on the team. You know, 
you know, diversity on the team, even diversity with the stadium. I mean, yeah. you know, you have your, your top deck, which, you know, or no, really, it, it's true. You know, you have the the top deck and the, the reserve pavilion. level and the pavilion, yeah. which really represent the, the, if you look at the Dodger Stadium is a microcosm of L.A. There we go. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to say. You know, and, it, you know, the demographic at Dodger Stadium just representative of L.A. I mean, if you, you go from the field, the dugout level, mm-hmm. you know, there's the wealth. There's the money. There's Hollywood right there. Yeah. And you move really on up to the, the higher seats and to the pavilion, you know, you really start to get... You get your working class. You yeah. Your... Which, I, I, and that's one thing I love about the pavilion is that it really caters to the working family. You pay 40 bucks, you get four people in, all you can eat Dodger dogs. You know, it's a rough crowd, but you know what? I love Dodger Stadium, man. Yeah. I know. And I know there's a lot of people that make fun of it because of the kind of crowd that it attracts. But you, you're really not going to run into any problems if you're there to watch baseball. If Yeah, if you're not there to create problems, you're not going to get yeah. problems. You are, you, if you're there to watch baseball, you're there to enjoy the game. Even if you're rooting for the other team. I've literally gone to a game with Giants fans wearing Giants shirts. Yeah, you get ribbed. They get ribbed a little bit, you know. Yeah, but you. But you it's, it's, it's all nothing, part of sports. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing you wouldn't get at any other sporting event mm. in any other state, you know, or city. You know, I plan on this upcoming season. I plan on going to see a Giants game at AT and T Park. I plan on wearing Dodgers shirt. Let me I know when you go, because uh, Melissa and I, we we definitely what well, we've we've made the plan to every season go to a different stadium yeah. in the NLS. That's a great plan. Yeah. Anyways, so I, I plan on going and I plan on wearing pulled out just here and I plan on getting, you know, you know. Well, when, when I went, when I, when I was, up, or whatever, when know? I was up in San Francisco, um, you know, it, I went up there and I, I wore my Dodgers hat. I was, I was proud of it. And, you know, of course you get the ribbings. Yeah. Of course people are going to be like, oh, you know, Dodgers this, Dodgers that. Especially when you're in enemy territory, yeah. like AT&T Park. Um, That's like going into fucking. Who are we playing right now? America. This is like going to Sovi- the Soviet Union in the eighties. You know, yeah. wearing you know uh, American, American flag. On yeah, American flag. flag. You know, jumper pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice, very nice. Um, you know, you, you're gonna get well, maybe not as bad as that because you would have been thrown into the gulags. But you know, you're you're going to get. You're, you're gonna get what's you, due to yeah, you, and you, and you, you should know, go in prepared. Yeah, you know what you're getting yourself into, and but, yeah. But that's the best thing about sports. That's the best thing about baseball, you know. And I, I don't like romanticizing baseball. I don't like I you do. know mystifying baseball. But the best thing about baseball is that you know you could get two people that like two different teams with you know a storied rivalry as great as the Dodgers and the Giants, and they can discuss you know. Or they can, you know, go at it with each other about, you know, why one team is greater than the other or why the Dodgers aren't as relevant. My uncle, for in fact, my uncle was telling me, he's like, I don't know why, you know, people say the Dodgers are still relevant. They haven't been to the World Series in 25 years. They haven't won in 25 years. And he was telling me that the Giants are a more relevant team. And I couldn't disagree with him. You know, yeah, they have won in the last... They won twice in the last three years, years. Well, you know. Four years now, I guess. And in the last... 13, 14 years, they've been to the World Series. 
three times. You know, they they lost against the Angels, but you know, they've been to the World Series, you know, more times recently than the Dodgers have. Right. So yeah, he's right. But I still think the Giants suck. <laughs> well, you know, it's and, be, I think I think the Dodgers are will always be relevant because of their history, because yeah, of exactly. the things that they've done as a team. More so than say Diamondbacks, you know, I, well, that's not that's unfair because well, it's, unfair. A recent it's, team. it's probably unfair to to make any comparison to the team. But I'm going to say the Cubs, okay, know, because of their their World Series job has been so yeah. long. I, I still feel like the Dodgers have more relevance, more relevance, even because they've done so much. Like their the history of the team, you know, who they brought. I really to their team, and, and and it's a good thing you bring up the Cubs because I really think the Cubs. No, get me wrong. I like the Cubs. I like the Cubs too. Could yeah. you imagine the Cubs? Having any relevance without Sammy Sosa? It's tough, man. He was their last great star. Yeah. He was. Can you imagine? I mean, really, I mean, maybe because I'm not a Cubs fan, I don't know the history of the Cubs. And maybe if, but, <laughs> but if maybe Cubs, the Cubs are just relevant to Cubs fans, whereas the Dodgers are really relevant to baseball. Yeah. More so I than think, the Cubs. And that's what I was trying to get at. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. You have your teams that are relevant to their area, to the people that they're, Mm. you know, who are fans of them. And then you have teams that are relevant to all of baseball. And I feel like the Dodgers will, will always be that mm-hmm. because of their history. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, how many times they've been to the World Series or how, when the last time they went to the World Series was. It doesn't matter because they're, they're, there are certain teams, you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red, Red Sox, Sox. Um, probably the Giants. the Giants. Yeah, like they're teams that are will always Maintain be, relevance. Yeah, maintain relevance. They're a historic franchise. You know? We have really gone on a tangent here, haven't we? Anyways, back to the original point is that we're glad that the Dodgers are renovating Dodger Stadium. Uh, we're glad because I mean it does need you know it does need some upgrades here. It's been, there. It's been it does need to be modernized here and there. You know, bring in some features that modern stadiums have. One thing I love about Dodger Stadium, other than being a microcosm of LA, is that it is the third oldest stadium. In it's baseball. insane to think about. The third oldest stadium in baseball, but it's specifically a baseball park. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't have any other use. I mean, yeah, it's used for other things, but its sole purpose is to be the stadium of the Dodgers. And I will be heartbroken if years down the road, you know, the Dodgers go to somewhere, or, you know, the Dodger organization builds a new stadium. I, 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 I pray and hope to... Santo Piazza and the rest of the baseball gods that this will be the Dodgers permanent stadium for as long as they live. It's amazing. It's, a, it, it's such a good stadium, it's, and it, it does have its age. It, it, it's 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 aged. It's an aged stadium. There's no but, denying but that. And there's there's the that's well, and that's the thing. And I think awesome, a lot of people amazing. say a lot of people say it's an ugly stadium, and I think people say that without knowing what the stadium has to offer. What without Stepping onto the stadium, or they haven't stepped onto the stadium, in, stepped into the stadium in like years upon years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a beautiful park. It is. It it's really a beautiful, is. beautiful. I mean, you you walk into the stadium, and you from every angle you can see the field. Yeah, I have. I mean, I've been to other. I mean, I haven't been to a lot of stadiums, but I've been to other stadiums where my sightline is obstructed by poles or like by, you know. When I went to, when I went to AT and T Park 
to view to see the Dodgers and the Giants play. Um, I've been there twice, and uh, the first time the Di- Giants weren't playing the Dodgers. I think they were playing the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, we sat in I don't know if they call it the Pavilion, but we sat in the Pavilion, um, and it, it was nice. It was really nice. But what I remember is that walking to the seats, we couldn't see the field. Really, we couldn't. The second time I went to Dodge or to AT and T Park, um, I sat in what's the equivalent of the reserved, mm-hmm. all the way in the right field reserved, overlooking the bullpen. Or no, their bullpen's not on the. They don't have a bullpen. It's on the it's field. It's on the field. Yeah. It's um, play. Or what would be over? Right. What would be overlooking the bullpen right. at Dodger Stadium? Mm-hmm. Um, I sat there. Walking up there though, you had to uh, walk up these alternating ramps, switchback ramps. Uh, they have that at. Um... Yeah, you had to walk up those. And while you're walking up, you could hear the game, but you can't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was, to me, the the biggest drawback is that you can't walk and and and, and still watch the game. Dodger Stadium allows that. Yeah. You can walk wherever. You can wander and you can... And you can still watch the game, mm-hmm. you know. And, and to me, that that's, that's why you're there. And I think that's the the beauty of Dodger Stadium. Other than, you know, the fact that it's aged so well. The beauty of Dodger Stadium is that no matter where you are at in the stadium, baseball's there and you can see it. Boom. Done. Damn. Take that, Ken Burns. (laughs) Um, All right. So, uh, moving on. (laughs) I think, uh, gosh, I think we covered everything for the main dish. No? Uh, I I think you're right. Contract. Roster. Um, I think we're good. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll touch on. I guess since we're talking about the stadium, you know, the the Dodgers are going to upgrade the stadium. They've been upgrading it through the off the off season. Um, they are going to build two restaurants: a barbecue grill out in the uh, left, left field, field. Um, and there's going to be an overlook. Uh, both bullpens, right? Yeah, both bullpens. You're going to be able to look at, at the bullpen. Um, those are going to be on a first-come, first-served basis. See, and actually, I'm, I'm kind of bummed about that because the way it was set up before is, you know, it wasn't a fancy overlook or anything, but you could walk behind the bullpen and look at the pitcher, pitch from, like, you know, through the cracks in the fence or whatever, but it was still really cool because it was right there. So I'm a little bummed that there that proximity is going to probably be diminished diminished but uh you know i get it it's a it, good idea it's good it adds a, it adds a new fan experience yeah. um i think maybe uh, for the casual fan for the, the tier two normie tier two um for the tier two normie it'll it'll maybe bring some appreciation for pitching especially yeah. relief pitching yeah um okay. in the right field uh overlooking the right field bullpen they'll have a, an overlook as well um and in the right field side, they're going to have the Tommy Lasorda themed Italian restaurant. So for that, yeah, so am I. I can't wait to try a, a Tommy Lasorda themed pizza, or whatever pasta, pasta. he might like. Yeah, yeah. it'd yeah. probably be pasta. Sounds great to me. Um, they're going to get rid of the tents where the uh, right field and left field mm-hmm. team stores were at, and they're going to make actual stores. Um, and apparently the parking is going to get a facelift as well. More trees will be added, or something like that. Cool. I don't know, but. Um, I'm excited. To I'm excited, and I, I'm really glad that the, the Dodger ownership is 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 taking care of the team yeah. and taking care of the stadium and, and taking care of the fans. And that's that's what we uh, that's what we want. Faith as, as has been restored. Yeah. yeah, at least 
on this side. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe not for the tier one normie, but you know, <laughs> well, tier one normie loves Magic Johnson. So. Hey, Magic Johnson, fool! He owns the Dodgers and shit. Um, but yeah, so main dish it was, it was delicious. Yeah, that was a good main. That was a fat. Big chunk of main dish. Right I think there. it was uh, it was warranted considering we've been gone for so long. Yeah, That's long, what we've been cooking up for our yeah. main dish. Been uh, slow cooking. Slow cooking, yes. For, for quite some time. Yeah. And, uh, let's uh, get to the food stuff. The uh, desserts. The desserts. Desserts. What, uh, what do we want to talk about for desserts? Um, well, let's talk about the fact that Mike Piazza is not in the Hall of Fame. <gasps> <laughs> All right. I'm going to start just... Uh, on a purely personal note, and then you can yeah definitely chime in afterwards. So, obviously, Xavier and I named this uh, venture of ours Piazza Parlor because Piazza was a huge part of our fandom as children. And uh, personally, myself, I grew up watching Mike Piazza and grew up wanting to be him. You know, he was like the be all end all baseball player. I didn't, you know, I. He was it. It was the guy, you know, I was a catcher in Little League because of Mike Piazza. I wore number 31 in Little League because of Mike Piazza. And what I'm getting at here is I want my favorite player to get the recognition that he deserves. And a lot of people make the argument, yeah, Hall of Fame doesn't matter. It's just meaningless, you know, blah, 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 blah. To me personally, I like the Hall of Fame. I think it matters. I think it's important. Because it recognizes greatness, you know? It's the complete opposite of, here, here's a, here's a trophy for uh, participating, you know? There's too much of that in, in, in our society today. We need to recognize the players that were great. We need to put them on a higher pedestal than the, you know, than the whatever players that played. I feel like I'm rambling here. Anyways, <laughs> Mike Piazza did so much as a player, as a catcher, being the best hitting catcher of all time, with no proof that he took any steroids. You know, he denied it in his book. I read it. It's a book. You can read it. Um, you know, he passed all his drug tests that he needed to pass. There's absolutely nothing. No concrete evidence against him. All of it is just speculation because of the error that he came up in. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. By pure numbers alone. And it frustrates me to no end that, you know, the people we allow to vote for Hall of Famers can, you know, group him with this, you know... Dismiss his legacy. Yeah, yeah, dismiss his legacy because of, you know, the time he played in. You know, it's not his fault that he was born at a certain time and played baseball at a certain time. You know, he did it when he did it. And he accomplished all these things during that time. You're literally just going to overlook all of his accomplishments because he played during the quote-unquote steroid era. And it's ridiculous, you know? Um, You know, why don't you, like, imagine... Getting, you know, someone who is like Hank Aaron, put him in the steroid era. Would you dismiss the stuff that he did? Or conversely, if you, like, say, put Barry Bonds in a different era. Yeah, exactly. Put Barry Bonds in an era with no steroids. He would probably still do the same things. 
I mean, maybe... He Whether might... he did or didn't, I mean, you can't take away from the fact that his numbers are there. Yeah, the numbers are there. And and, and um, I've been reading a lot of... And I obviously I can't think of anything, any... I can't cite any ones off the top of my head, but I've been reading a lot of articles about how... Writer, these writers need to realize that the Hall of Fame is a museum. And museums, you know, they... You know, they're an archive. They're an archive of things that have happened, of history. And what these writers are trying to do is they're trying to skip over, you know, this com- you know, this entire era of baseball. And, you know, it's almost like and it's almost like, you know, going back and burning books and burning, you know, getting rid of history and saying, Oh, this never happened. It did happen. Yeah. So get over it. You know, it <laughs> happened. At least, the least you can do is recognize the best players from that era and give them what they deserve. Because, look, it comes down to this. Personally, I've never played baseball on a major league level. I, you know, in reality, uh, the Hall of Fame vote matters. It has nothing to, you know, it matters nothing to me. It means everything to these players who have done, who've worked so hard to do what they do. They work so hard to be the best at what they could be. It means everything to them. And I think for that reason alone, you know, these writers, these voters, everyone who, who has a say in the Hall of Fame, you know, you're, you're taking away what these players have worked so hard to attain, you know? And it's awful. You're literally crushing their, you know, what they've dreamed about since they were a kid. It's... Well, I, I think, I think you, you make a very good point with... with... You know the the fact that the the Hall of Fame really validates great careers. Yeah. Or, but I, I think I forgot who it was who made a, a very good point was that maybe the Hall of Fame vote vote doesn't so much validate the careers of greatness because the numbers are there and the numbers are always going to be there and you know just because they're not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean that those numbers go away. That's true. No, that's absolutely true. But um, I, I feel like the Hall of Fame is kind of like like. It's the uh, it's a certificate you get for for getting a four point oh yeah, yeah. you know it's 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 the it's the handshake from the principal that you get you know I and 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 it's yeah you know you could you could say yeah I got a four point oh I don't need that stuff what sure but it's 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 that like some you know it's that recognition it's the and keystone you deserve, to really yeah and you it's something that you deserve it's something you it's something these players deserve and yeah that's what I'm getting at here I think what what separates the baseball hall from the say the football hall of fame is that if you look at the football hall of fame and you look at the players that that are in the, the football hall of fame i think there's only one punter one place <laughs> <What>? kicker <laughs> in the football hall of fame you know how many offensive linemen or defensive linemen are in the football hall of fame you know not very many and you know that's a shame because your quarterback can't make a pass without your offensive line you know, your quarterback can't stay in the pocket longer if your offensive line falls apart. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, these are team sports that we're talking about. And every team plays an integral part, or every position plays an integral part to that sport. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. It'd be like the appendix. <laughs> you know, it's not necessary. You can't play baseball without a catcher. You can't play baseball without a first baseman, a left fielder, right fielder, center fielder. Sure as hell can't play baseball without a pitcher. Can't play baseball at the second base without a second baseman, shortstop, or third baseman. 
And so if you look at the Hall of Fame, you have a variety of, of players at every position in the Hall of Fame. And so, you know, whereas in football, you could dismiss the best field goal kicker of all time or the best punter of all time, and everyone's, everyone's okay with that. You can't dismiss the best hitting catcher of, of all time. It's ridiculous. And, and say that that's okay because of the era he played in. You can't dismiss that. You can't dismiss the best hitter in all of baseball and be okay with that because he played in the steroid era. Barry Bonds has a career OPS of over one. His slugging, I believe, is like at a 700 or a 600. I mean, his numbers are insane. He didn't take steroids throughout his entire career. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. But because he played in an era that was tainted by steroids, because his numbers inflated hugely at the end of his career when most people decline, you're going to tell me that he does, he's not deserving? I mean, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that he might have cheated. But as, as someone who has a vote, we sure as hell don't. But if you have a vote, it's your responsibility to, to highlight somebody's career with this crowning achievement. And, and and it's your responsibility to recognize the greatest players from an era. And, and, you know, obviously we're passionate about this era because this is this is this area of, era of baseball that's, you know. An era, era that we watched. Yeah, it's an era that we watched as kids. And, you know, we, we saw these players play and we saw their greatness. And we know that they're, these guys are the deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Because of what they've done, what they've accomplished, regardless, regardless of how they accomplished it, it happened. You yeah. have to recognize it. Yeah, ex- exactly. It, it, it's almost as looking at at at, and I, you know, maybe this is this is a bit it's, of a stretch, but you know, you could look at Thomas Jefferson. I, I was gonna actually go okay, ahead. Go ahead. You you could look at Thomas Jefferson and say, you know, well, he couldn't have been that great of a man if he claimed you know equality for all but still held slaves yeah you know and this is not to 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 minimize the effects of slavery or anything but that was the era in which he existed Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make his his ideas or his contribution to this nation any less it does it does it put kind of a a a shroud over it does it put kind of a a mark on it definitely asterisk if you will (laughs) definitely it definitely does and that's not to make slavery a footnote in, in the history, in American history, but he did have a huge contribution to this nation. Much like Barry Bonds, ah, God, this sounds so terrible, but much like Barry Bonds had a huge contribution to baseball, made a huge contribution to baseball. Barry Bonds still has a home run record that will probably never be shattered unless there's another steroid era. That thing's going to stand for a long time. But this doesn't mean he didn't hit 60 home runs. So okay, so what? So he didn't take. So he doesn't take steroids. What you think he hits forty home runs? I, I doubt that. I doubt that. Pitcher still pitched to him, and he still hit those sixty home runs. Mike Piazza, the best hitting catcher in all of baseball, dude is literally one of two people to hit a ball out of Dodger Stadium. 
one of the most well-known pitchers' parks in, in baseball. In baseball, outside of Dodger Stadium, dude was so strong. Oh my god, what is wrong with you people? But the the biggest problem with the voting for for the Hall of Fame. Here, you take the floor. This is all you. The the biggest problem isn't isn't who they let in or who they don't let in. That that's that's up to the voters. I mean, you know, you could have voters voting for all the right reasons, still not voting Mike Piazza. There are some mechanical flaws, if you will, with voting for the Hall of Fame. And I, I think one of the biggest things is is the fact that voters are only allowed to place ten people. On their ballot? Is that? Yeah. yeah. Ten, 10 votes per ballot. 10 votes per ballot. That's what it is. You're allowed 10 votes per ballot. Per ballot. And so you run into a problem where players like Craig Biggio miss getting into the Hall of Fame by two votes. Two freaking votes. So voters have to do this, this, this dance where they, where they think, well, okay, I'll put in Greg Maddox. I know I probably could put in Craig Biggio, but I also have to vote for Tom Glavin. And while it is also Jack Morris's last year, so maybe I'll vote for Jack Morris as well, who, by the way, isn't deserving of the Hall of Fame, but I can get why people would put him in and vote for him anyways. Anyways, the point I'm getting at is that the voters have to do this dance where a player, you know, uh, uh, you know, you go into you go into an election and you're voting for somebody. And what I hear all the time is like, well, it's just one vote. My vote doesn't matter. Two votes mattered here. Two votes mattered here. And I know this sounds like rambling, but when it comes down to missing the Hall of Fame by two votes, that's got to be gut-wrenching, man. That sucks. So maybe one of the things that, that should change in Hall of Fame voting is not being allowed 10 votes per ballot. Maybe you should just rank your votes. You know, much like they do with the Cy Young. You know, you rank who you think should be in first, who you think should come second. And, you know, maybe the top five get in, you know, or the top six or whatever. But again, you, you come into that kind of limbo dancing. I, I don't know. I don't know what the perfect solution is to fix the Hall of Fame voting. Point is, it needs to be fixed. Yes. There are issues. And the other thing that should be fixed is you should be a writer with relevance. From what I've read online, from what I've heard, is that there are people that haven't covered the sport in like 20 years Mm -hmm. that are still given a vote. If you haven't covered the sport in 20 years... The legacy votes is what they call it. Yeah. If you haven't voted in... If you haven't covered the sport in 20 years, how do you know what's going on in the sport? You know, you and I follow baseball religiously. And, you know, that's not to say that we should be given a vote, but... We have more relevance of people that haven't covered... They may have covered the sport for 40 years, but they haven't covered it in the last 20. We have more relevance than they do now. And we're just a shitty podcast. The shittiest. The shittiest of podcasts. <laughs> you know, it's these kind of things that, that really make you wonder, like, what the hell are these people doing voting for a sport that they really have no interest in anymore? It's just such a flawed system, and... Uh... And that, that's, that's the problem, is that it's occurrences like this that diminish at least 
the the reverence we feel the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame deserves. When I think of a Hall of Fame, I, I've never been to Cooperstown, and I, I would love to go one of these days to visit the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Absolutely. But what I what I envision it is 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 just as close to baseball heaven as you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, you're literally walking through rooms of baseball's past. Yeah, it, it's really hollowed ground for baseball. Yeah. And that's how it should be. You should have, you know, no matter, no matter, no matter when they played, you should have the people that represent baseball and the biggest exactly. accomplishments, accomplishments of baseball. I think if, if you know, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, you know, Ken Burns' baseball documentary. Um, You've watched the whole thing? I just started watching it today. I watched the first episode. I watch. Yeah, I'm barely. I'm halfway through the uh, first inning. Great. It, it's it's damn near cried. You barely started it too. Yeah, I know. Um, but when I think when people when two thousand years from now, you know, if we look at the Roman Empire, right? Mm-hmm. We, we we examine its ruins and we we examine its history. You know, we see such a a rich history, and we could probably you know look. We look at you know the Roman Colosseum. You know, and we see the 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 ruins, and we see the history behind it, and we think, "Holy crap! How amazing must it have been to to been here to right. witness what was going right. on here?" So, two thousand years from now, when we when people look back at, at American culture, you know, and they see, you know, they walk through the ruins of Cooperstown, and they see the 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 legacy that was baseball. You know, they can look at at you know, wow, you know, Craig Biggio, who was this guy? Greg Maddox, who was this guy? Clayton Kershaw, who was this guy? You know, and they look <clears throat> at the sport that was baseball and they think, wow, these must have been, you know, gods back Almost in the day. You know, these these people must have been paraded through towns and, and whatever, you know. That's what we want in the Hall. That's what I think of the Hall. And so when you deny players like Craig Biggio, Mike Piazza, because of, you know, mechanical flaws in the system, you're denying them a legacy that will endure for, you know? Generations. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Hell yeah, man. All right. All right. Oh, man, what an episode. We're running on two hours here. Drank a lot of whiskey and we've uh, made up for lost time. That's for sure. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, so uh, I'm not sure if you remember this, but you know our, our, our sign off, our sign off. Oh, yeah, of course I remember the sign off, and it's going to be our sign off for the next two years too. Yes, of course. So uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, obviously, you can find us um, at Piazza Parlor uh, on Twitter. Yeah, piazzaparlor.tumblr.com. Also, yes. Um, and uh, we're, we're we're on Facebook too. Yeah, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're not we're not really. Uh, Facebook's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, it is. You know, Facebook pages are kind of weird. So you could definitely look for us. We're on there. Um, but we're on Twitter. We're actually more active on Twitter than anything we else. We are always active on Twitter. <laughs> we're even we even reply to each other. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah, definitely give us a follow. Um. Follow the blog. Um. If you have any questions for us. 
Uh, you can email us at piazzaparlor at gmail.com. I think we got to do this uh, live, live live thing a little more often. It feels, it feels good. Yeah, it feels, it feels and, right. And it feels and, right. And the whiskey. Oh, the biggest oh. thing. The biggest thing. Sorry, we, we missed this entirely. The Dodgers will no longer be shown on uh, regular. Oh, Sportsnet LA. Yeah, Sportsnet LA will launch sometime in February, I believe. Day before my birthday. Yeah, February 25th. That's right. So, um, if you want to watch Dodger games, you're going to need cable to do so. Which means Aron will be at my house yep. more often to mm-hmm. watch the games. And we should we should do some like live game uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when the season starts, we definitely will. That 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 sounds that seems like it'll be fun. It's yeah, probably just for us, but not for anyone else. No, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Sportsnet LA will be up and running uh, February 25th. So we're um, excited. We're excited. Definitely excited about that. Um. I think yeah. I guess that's about it. We'll, uh, well hopefully we'll, you know, since it's the off season, uh, I don't really see us doing another podcast for maybe a couple of weeks or maybe so. Maybe a couple of weeks, but, yeah, you know, we'll try it, to get back on it. it. It's been a slow off season. Um, there really hasn't been much to blog about, you know, in between moving and school and getting engaged and shit. Um, it, it's been, you know, it's been a quiet off season. There hasn't been much to blog about, and I've been busy myself. Um, there really hasn't been much to, to, podcast about either well apparently we covered it all in about an hour and 45 minutes yeah no shit so maybe there was a lot to podcast (laughs) about but um yeah that's that's about it so it's been good until uh until next time yeah in the name of the uh uribe uribe no wait in name of the in the name of the this is gonna be awesome in the name of the hand ram no in the name of the (laughs) in the name of the uribe no the Hanram and oh, the Holy Puigsis. There you go. There you go. I'm going to have to listen to the other podcast to see how it really goes, because that doesn't feel right. I think I think that's about right. All right. So in the name of the Uribe, the Hanram, and, and the, the Holy, Holy Puigsis, Amen. Santo Piazza. Bless us. Thank you.